0: Together, the Apostles' Creed this is who we are, and this is what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead Amen. You may be seated. We want to welcome those of you who are joining us this morning online and also at our Stevens Point and Appleton campuses. So glad you guys could be with us as well this morning. I want to introduce to you a guest speaker this morning. Pastor Mark is out of town today. Mr. Reverend Jerry, Jimmy Bratcher, Jerry Bratcher, his brother. And uh, just a good thing. Come on up here, Jimmy. Uh, You know, we've been making a, a pretty big deal about the missions offerings the last couple of weeks, and we want you to know that some of this missions offering that we're giving is going towards Jimmy's ministry in prisons and and around the country, and so he's been uh, a great man of God for many years and doing a wonderful work. So let's have a big hand for this man as he brings the word to us. Well,
1: good morning. I'm so happy to be here. I'm, uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Jimmy Bratcher. I'm from Kansas City, Missouri, and we had this baseball team, and uh, the crowd went mild after the Brewers lost last night, right? Wow. But uh, but I'm glad to be here. I'm always thrilled when I get the call to come to Green Bay, even in the middle of winter. You know, my first trip here was in February of 2000. I don't know, I can't remember, It's like 2009 or something like that, and Mark called and said, hey, I want you to come every Sunday in February, I'm like, and so I griped about the weather until the next year we did it again, and I had to, I came, and then through the week I went to Winnipeg, and so I'd say, after I came back from Winnipeg, I said, I'll never complain about the weather in Green Bay again, So, so anyway, I'm glad to be here, and as uh, Joe mentioned, we do have the opportunity to, to, you know, we are an evangelistic ministry, and a lot of people don't know what that means anymore, but we are constantly looking for and have invitations to go to venues that are not church venues. And so we are in, we, we like to go to prisons, we like to go to places where people can't give us anything. You know, they can't buy any of our stuff, they can't give us anything, because that keeps us connected to the reality that, that we're just all people in this thing, and Jesus loves us all. And then every year we go to Sturgis to the Motorcycle Rally, which is our largest outreach, and we'll be going again this year. Mark, uh, your pastor has went with us the last couple of years, and we've been invited to play at the, uh, the title, the actual legal title I have to use, is The Legendary Buffalo Chip. And uh, the Buffalo Chip is uh, in the top ten concert venues of the world. And uh, we have an opportunity to be there doing what we do. And we give away CDs by the thousands every year. And so as you give in missions projects and some of that comes to us, that's what that is for. To give us the opportunity to be outside of the church. And I believe that, you know, that's it's exciting to me. You know, I love that, and I love the fact that y'all are sitting there going, well, that's just like normal. We do that every day. It's like, yeah, I know, and uh, but a lot of pastors don't, and so I love being out with people that, um, that don't know that. One story, we um, did a concert last December at Christmas. We always do a concert for mine and Sherry's anniversary, which is December 19th, and we we we've been for the last several years doing it at a club in Kansas City called Knucklehead Saloon, and uh, that's not Knucklehead's Church. But if if I was going to start a church, I think Knucklehead's Church would be a great name. You know, it's like hey that that means everybody belongs. But and so as we were setting up, these two guys came in and they had on Harley jackets, and we were talking, and they said one of them came up to me and he said, Do you know why we're here? And I said. Well, no, but you know, tell me and he said, well, we were walking down the street in Sturgis And your wife came up and gave me one of your CDs And we listened we went from Sturgis to California and then back to the Midwest And he said we passed it him and his buddy we said we passed that CD around between us the whole trip And he one of the guys goes, you know, he says because our story's on there and he said, you know Your story's on there and he said it took me a while to figure out that you were talking about you but that story's made such an impact in my life. And so you never know the seeds that you sow, where they're going to go and how they're going to grow and what's going to become of them. But it all relates back to the Father because he loves us. So today I want to share a message with you that I'm titling, I Can't Get Over It. And I can't. Purpose, the purpose of my message today is that I hope to reconnect us back to our first love of Jesus. Those of us who have already believed on Jesus, and if you're here and you have yet to to actually say, I'm going to believe by faith in what Jesus has done for me, I hope today is your day that your first love begins. Because you see, Jesus is the cure for mankind. Mankind was sick, mankind was broken, the world was a wreck, and God said, I need a cure, and his answer was all bundled into the man Jesus Christ. And no matter what it is that you're going through today, you might be a sinner, Jesus is the answer. You might be sick, Jesus is the answer. You might be broke, Jesus is the answer. You might be ready to quit, Jesus is the answer. And today I want us to focus our attention on Jesus. I want us to focus our attention on Jesus. As I was driving over here, I flew to Milwaukee this time just because I was late booking a flight because Sherry and I were going to ride our motorcycle up here this weekend. You know, we have a motorcycle. What kind of motorcycle? Well, What kind of motorcycle are you supposed to have in Wisconsin? You know, it's a Harley Davidson. And, uh, but we, I had a lapse of sanity, and so we flew up. I flew up, and Cherry stayed home. But as I was driving over, my, my uh, audio player was kind of shuffling through my songs, and this old song came on by Andre Krauss, who just passed away a few months ago. And it was the song, Jesus is the Answer. And it just says, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there is no other jesus is the way and as i thought about that song it just kind of rang in my heart and it connected me back to my past to the first time that i heard it which was shortly after i came to jesus and it just reminded me of the power that's in that person you see no matter what you're going through jesus is the answer and Jesus wants to use you. Everybody say, Jesus wants to use me. Say it again. Jesus wants to use and see, when you say that, I feel this unbelief. <laughs> it's stronger up here because I'm higher up, you know. It's like, I just feel it coming back, you know, because we say that and it's like, yeah, but you don't know all of the stuff that I have in my life. You don't know all of the mistakes that I have made. You don't know about my past. You don't know where I'm at today. You don't know how I've fallen or where I'm at or the state that I'm in or what I'm doing. And you're right, I don't, but he does. He does, he sees it all. And it doesn't stop him one bit. It doesn't interfere with how he feels about you. It doesn't change his mind about how he feels about you. It didn't change his mind about the price that he was willing to pay to get to you. But we have this unbelief. And the Bible is so wonderful because, you know, man, if you get written written in the Bible, it's like it's going to tell all your junk. You you know, I mean, that's what it's going to to tell us. It's a tell-all book. And I love that about the Bible because, like, if you mess up, it's like God's writing it down in a book. I mean, these people had it all laid out there wide open. And so the next time you feel like God can't use you, I, want, I, got, I just kind went of through, went through the Bible and picked out some of the great men of God and women of God in the Bible. And so the next time you, want, you don't think that God can use you, I want you to remember this. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused and a convict. Moses had a stuttering problem and Gideon was afraid. David had an affair and conspired to commit murder, Samson was a womanizer, Rahab was a prostitute, Elijah was depressed and suicidal, Jonah ran from God, Naomi was a widow, Job went bankrupt, Peter denied Christ, the disciples fell asleep while praying, Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. Zacchaeus was too small. Leah was ugly and Lazarus was dead. And none of that stopped the Lord from using those people. And today I want you to have confidence not in your failures, not in your successes, but in the one who qualifies you. And his name is Jesus. So I want to start by reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 24. 2 Corinthians five, seventeen through 24, it says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is this. That is that. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What a wonderful group of promises. I remember the first time that I heard that passage of scripture. I was 22 years old. Sherry and I were divorced. We went out and got a marriage license and found a little church in northwest Missouri called God's Sheep Shed. It was a bunch of hillbillies. and uh, God's Sheep Shed, and we went and And I went up to the pastor unannounced on a Sunday night with a marriage license as a hippie boy with a hippie girl and said, pastor, we got a marriage license. We want to get married tonight. And he knew our past. He knew what we'd been through and he knew where we were presently. And he agreed to marry us if I would give my life to Jesus now, he didn't explain it to me. He didn't take me down the Roman road. He didn't explain the four spiritual laws. He didn't do any of that stuff. He was bigger than me, and I was afraid of him, and I said yes. <laughs> After church was over that night, there was a little ceremony that took place, and he asked if we'd bow down on our knees so he could pray over us, and he did. And then he said, are you ready? And I said, I am. And I believed on Jesus in my heart. I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't intent on it. But I don't know what, but something happened inside of me. He stood us up. He stood me and Sherry up. And he said, I want you two to face each other. And he looked at Sherry and he said, Sherry, you see that young man there? He doesn't have a past. And then he quoted 2 Corinthians 5.17. For if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things has become new. And then he looked at Sherry, or looked at me, and said, Do you see this young lady? She doesn't have a past. And again, he quoted 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And something had happened on the inside of me. I didn't know what it was, I couldn't explain it, my logic wasn't connected to it, but somehow, some way, I knew what had happened was so real, so fulfilling, and so freeing that it just overwhelmed me. It was like I had been born again. And that's what the Bible says. That's how Jesus described it. In the book of John, he said, Marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. I remember that night we went home and we were about to go to sleep and I was laying there and I saw a little picture of Jesus on the wall. I don't think I'd ever seen it before. And I looked up at it, and I just pointed at it. And I said, I know that he is satisfied with me. At that moment, I felt such satisfaction that Jesus had come into my life. He had recreated me. He'd given me a new DNA. He'd given me new genetics. He'd given me a new heart a new nature. The old sinful man had passed away and there was a new man there that was beginning to experience the reality of life that Jesus Christ had purchased through his death, burial, and resurrection. And can I just tell you that life Although it was very difficult because we were very poor at that time, life was wonderful because on the inside of me in my spirit, there was a quality of life that superseded anything that I had ever experienced before. It It was marvelous. It was amazing. And all I could do was sit back in awe and say, with my whole heart, I want to follow Jesus. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I want to know Him and I want to obey Him. And I know that your story's probably exactly the same way. It's exactly the same way. When I found Jesus or when He found me or whatever the case is theologically, I don't know quite how to theologically define that. I wanted to be radically transformed. I didn't want my old life. I didn't want to be like I was. I wanted to be changed. I was sick of me and all that I could produce. I wanted to be different, and no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't change. But in an instant, something changed. A new man was created. Sin had no power. Habits that controlled and destroyed my life were completely powers. My desires changed because my heart was new and my nature was new. I was born again. A new creature, radically transformed, all because of one thing. I believed on Jesus. Life was as it should be. And I don't know about you, but in those moments, and I'm speaking mainly to believers today, in those first few days and weeks, it was marvelous. Sherry and I, we knew, we knew two things at that moment. We knew, number one, that Jesus was real, and we knew that, number two, we didn't know anything else. And so many times, people come to the Lord and they've got preconceived ideas of who God is because of their past, because of their religious training, because of all the things that have happened in their life. They come to to the Lord and they've got this idea of who God is rather than being a clean slate and discovering who God says he is by his word. And if that's you, if you've got this religious background, I want to encourage you today to just disconnect from that for a while. Just put that aside for a while. Pick up the word of God and start to read in the New Testament about what Jesus did. Start to understand the reality of the promises that he accomplished for you. Start to get into your heart the reality of what the Bible says that you are, who you are, and connect to now your new identity. It's amazing. It's just like the Genesis story. When we first start reading in the book of Genesis, there's this wonderful story of life, fellowship with God, a newly created planet, a garden that's called paradise. Everything is as it should be. Life is as it should be. But there entered a question into the mind of man, and that question was centered around identity. That question was, you need to take and eat of this tree in order to be like God. You can find it in Genesis 3, chapter 5, the question. You need to do something in order to be like God. But the reality of it was, they were already like God because they had been created in the image of God. They didn't need to do anything to be like God. They only needed to trust the reality of what God had spoken that they were like God. But they they felt this lack inside of them that they needed to do this one thing in order to be like God. Thus sin came into the world and the rest is history. It created every insurmountable pain and heartache and grief that happens on our planet based on one thing and one thing only. They didn't believe who they were, and they didn't trust. That's two, right? Math is not my strong point. They didn't trust what God had told them to. But Jesus came to alleviate the effects of sin on our planet. He came to redeem us back to God. He came as we receive him to make us a new creation, to give us a new identity, to take us from unrighteousness to righteousness. The definition of the word righteous is really, you know, I like I the definition that says righteousness means as it should be. Jesus came there in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. It says that he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God through him, in him. So we've had this translation into this state of righteousness that says when it comes to God, there is nothing else that we can add to be righteous. Jesus has obtained righteousness for us, and that righteousness became a gift that he gave to all who would believe. And inside of that righteousness, that new nature, that gift that came from Jesus is all of the power that you and I need to overcome every sin that befalls us, every temptation that comes in front of us, and everything that we face in life to destroy us. I, I don't know about you, but I want to be connected to the reality of the identity of who, that, of who I am in Jesus. I want to know the power of God working in me so that I know that I am right with God and I have everything that God has supplied for my needs. And that's all found in the person of Jesus. So what does that mean? Thank you. I appreciate that. So what does that mean then? I'm right with God. I am righteous. Yes, you are. I can go live any way that I want to, do anything that I want to, have any sin that I want to have. Well, if you believe that, you're very foolish. Because the Bible assures us with a New Testament promise that says that the wages of sin is death. If you sin, that that is going to create death in your life. It's going to create all kinds of misery and heartache in your life. Does it affect God's stand of you? No, it doesn't. God is still there at the beginning, and he is still there saying, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. Actually, God's not saying that. Andre Crouch said that. But I believe Jesus would say, right on. But I want to encourage you today to think back to when you first started, when you first believed, to think back to a time when your mind was not clouded with all kinds of religious ideas. You were simply just standing in the, the amazement of the love of God that had forgiven your sins, that had t- you, took you when you were unworthy, that had brought you out of darkness into light, that had shown his love for you, and the amazement of that moment when it was just you and Jesus. Connect back to that, to that power that works in us. The Bible says that that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us and will quicken, Our bodies to withstand we will be able to withstand anything that comes against us and all is possible to him who believes well I wanted to encourage you today I just wanted to take you back to the simplicity of the beginning I told my story in it rather than just taking you through the scripture because I'm a guest and you don't know me and you know, I'm not like a regular preacher kind of guy, so, you know, I can do that kind of stuff. And uh, But I wanted you to connect to that. And when you leave here today, I want you to know this. Jesus is all you need. It's not Jesus and something else. It's not Jesus plus this. It's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity for us to be together. Lord, I pray that you would... You would open up our hearts, that we would see you and you only, not our works, not by anything else that we could boast in, but the reality of who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, I thank you and I bless you, Lord. Help us to do this word today and connect to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen.